industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. All right, folks, I hope this does not come as a terrible disappointment to any of you. But my uh, opening bit today is it's going to be a little short. Now, now, before you roll your eyes, because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, we've heard him say that before. However, the reason why it's going to be short today is because my guest on today's excellent episode is a fellow podcaster. And you know what happens when you put two fellow podcasters on together? We run a little long, and in fact, this time we we did run a little long. But I assure you, there is going to be no reason for you to use that dreaded skip ahead button on your uh, podcast app because every minute of it is going to be worth your while. So fear not. But first, there is this one thing that I want to tell you about. And now, if you've been listening to this show for anything like the last twelve to eighteen months then you know that there are two topics that come up all the time because of the huge impact that they're having on the industry. One is what's going on out there in those OT environments where we have the process controls and the SCADA systems. We know there's huge opportunity for digital innovation there, and we are doing amazing things as an industry. But the more amazing things we do, the more we have to think about that other topic, which we talk about all the time, which is cybersecurity. And we all know how important that has become. So, I want to tell you about a new sponsor that we're working with here at OGGN. The company is called UTSI. And I got to tell you, folks, I'm impressed. Their leadership team has over 100 years of experience in this very domain. So these are the people that you want to work with to plan and execute a cybersecurity strategy that is going to get you where you need to be. UTSI, they have decades of experience writing the plans, conducting the validation exercises, and doing all of those post-incident forensics, and all the things that you hear us talk about that you need to be doing, in addition to having good technology on the ground, and they're going to help you do that too. And of course, you can learn more at utsi.com. Check it out. Remember, as I always say, we love our sponsors at OGGM because without them, there is no us. So please show them some love. Now, I see that at this very moment, I'm clocking in right at about two minutes and 20 seconds, which is in fact shorter than my usual opening bit. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Oil & Gas Tech Show, Mr. Jose Solis. And I am here today with uh, my uh, my my friend and fellow podcaster uh, Jose Solis, who is, uh, of course, I'm sure everybody knows, is the uh, is the host of the OGGN Energy Scale Ups podcast. Which, by the way, uh, faithful uh, tech show listeners, if if you haven't listened to Energy, if you listen to the tech show and you haven't listened to Energy Scale Ups, you really should be doing that because it's sort of like. It's like you get to hear about like the birthplace of some of the stuff that uh, that we end up talking about on the tech show, uh, and we're actually going to talk about that today. But um, but Jose, thanks thanks for making time today. It was kind yeah. of a short notice. I like I texted Jose yesterday and said, "Hey, I need a guest for the tech show. Can you come on?" And 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 here we are. 
So awesome. I, I appreciate it. And and full transparency, uh, it's seven thirty in the morning right now uh, because apparently that's the only time that you were available. I've, I've well, never done it's a been, it's, Yeah, it's, <laughs> so, well, time has my, been tight That's lately. why I have my, my morning voice on right now, my Barry White voice. <laughs> yeah, time's been a little tough lately. Um, you know, especially, you know, I just wanted to make, I wanted to make sure I had time to, to spend with you and I didn't want to rush. So in, in the morning usually is usually better um, yeah, than the yeah. afternoons. But, uh, you know, I... I definitely uh, I wanted to make sure I had at least a little bit of time as well to prepare and sure. so I try I try and get up early most days. Yeah. So so what you know, the, have, so what the kids, audience doesn't right? know what, what the audience doesn't know is is uh, it's all good now but just a few minutes ago Jose was busy preparing while I was busy like trying to like like clear my throat for about 20 minutes. So uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we're all good now. We're ready to go though. It's good. Let's it's rock good. it. It's rock good that we weren't. So um um yeah, and you and you do how many? What do you? How many kids do you have? You have little kids, right? Uh, n- well, they're not little anymore. They're they're. I guess they are kind of little. They're 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 in their teenage years. They're in their oh, early okay. teen years. Yeah, two boys. They're pretty rambunctious. Um, right, and they couldn't be any different than each other. Uh, I mean, they couldn't be any more different from one another. They are right. complete polar opposites. If you. Yeah. If you were to take my personality and split it in right down the middle, uh-huh. I've got one son who's 100% my left side and the other one who's 100% my right side. Okay. And, so if anything uh, happens to you, we have a backup. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah we got okay. a backup. We got a backup. <laughs> you just got to put them together sure. in, the same, in the same room. In the, exactly. They would, they would finish my sentences on both sides. <laughs> That's, perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. All right. So what else do I know about you? Because... Um, I know I I know that you've been worked at a bunch of you've worked in various capacities in the oil and gas industry. So so mm-hmm. I think there's some interesting stories there that we probably don't have time today. But it seems like there's. I also know um, it was Army, right? I know I was in the I Army. Was, yeah, that's I know. Right. I, yeah. I know. I don't want to get that wrong and say one of the other branches. But you know, I don't get so sensitive about it. I know. You know, there's yeah. certain military branches that if you get it wrong, that they get a little. They get. Yeah, a little, we know. They, we know one of those guys, don't we? I think yeah. we might know one of those guys. <laughs> So, <laughs> who constantly likes to remind us that, uh, yeah. that his branch was better than the army? I'm not even going to name the branch. What is it? Providing safe transportation for the army for a hundred and something years, or something like that? Uh, yeah, something safe something. passage, so, safe something passage. along those lines, yeah, or yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, um, but you were, but you were like the real deal. I mean, you're you're an actual veteran, right? You were, you have, you had wartime. Uh, well, I think so. every everybody who serves is the real deal. To be to be okay, clear, but fair, um, fair, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think anybody who who's willing to, to sign on the dotted line and and you know because I mean you you do you do promise to give everything you have to your country up to and including your life and um, you know I think everybody who serves has you know obviously has this sense of duty. Um, I I I am post nine eleven, so I went in right after right well pretty much right after nine eleven. O two is when I went in and. Um, I did serve uh, in in different parts of the world, um, some more dangerous than others. Sure. And yeah. uh, and and I um, I was fortunate enough to come home. Um, you know, at that time it was uh, it was a pretty scary time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got home, and you know, I I really considered reenlisting and staying in, and and continuing forward. Uh, but I had just gotten married at the end of my uh, right at the end of my enlistment and my wife uh, lovingly convinced me that I should mm. come home and mm. uh, that I shouldn't, I shouldn't stay in. And uh, I listened 
and it's worked out uh, in my favor yeah. for sure. And you know, I I do I do look back on that time with a uh, with a lot of um, joy, and I appreciated. I had a lot of I actually had a lot of fun while I was in the military. It was really yeah. enjoyable. I I tell stories to my kids all the time because you know they're obviously boys and they're interested in what dad has done and yeah, you know they yeah. see they see all the stuff like that like the memorabilia that i have around my office and right they're like oh you know what what was this like what was that like and uh we have you know really fun and interesting uh pg rated conversations <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh you know i right. it, it's it's one of those things that uh you i don't think you really appreciate how much it's going to help you later in life at the time until you look back on it as you know as a older adult and you realize like wow you know that was that was a really yeah. great experience and that really yeah. helped me because when when it comes to doing things in the real world especially in the energy sector it's not easy and you get it gets yeah, really yeah. challenging and really hard and then you look back, you're like, well, nobody's shooting at me today, so I'm okay. You know, <laughs> it's not that bad. You know, you, yeah. you put it in perspective pretty quick and you just keep moving on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, like perspective in life is a big thing. We could we could go on on uh, about that for the next uh, hour easily. For but, sure. Um, but anyway, so uh, uh, so on behalf of everybody listening, thank you for uh, yeah. for for putting that uh, for signing on that line. Um, Let's see what else we want to. Was there anything else interesting about you? Um, Not I can't, really. Well, 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 there's the podcast, <laughs> right? So let's let's talk about let's talk about. So so what we really want to uh, what we want to get into today is I thought it would be interesting to get your um, kind of insights. You you started the Energy Scallops podcast at early 2021, right? So it's yeah, like around May I want to say is when we kicked yeah, off the right. first that's five right. episodes. Yeah, so you you kind of been at it for a little while, and so you you get. I know that you a lot of the guests that you've had and the people that you talk to, you're getting some insights um, about. Um, and it's not all. It's not only about uh, tech. Obviously, you've had some others, but you're getting some good insights on on where the innovations headed and kind of some of the cool stuff that's coming. So, um, so we want to. I want to get into that, but but talk, tell talk about the. So for 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 perspective. Speaking of perspective, what what is the Energy Scale Ups podcast all about? What are you, what are you trying to do with that thing? Yes. Yeah, so what we do is we talk we talk to entrepreneurs, investors, and subject matter experts on the on on like the technology and the like the the digital transfer or not just the digital but the energy transformation because there's simultaneously happening in the industry right energy is right. adopting technology at a much faster rate than it ever has before and so these entrepreneurs are having more success now getting energy companies and energy service companies to adopt their technology but also we've got companies that are creating new renewable sources of energy or like technology around new renewable sources of energy whether it be solar geothermal mm -hmm. and so we're having those conversations about people who are solving those problems for tomorrow's energy needs and right. you know we are talking to the people that are i mean they're entrenched in it they are leading the way they're either they're leading the organizations or they're leading the the research and development or you know they are subject matter expert and can shed light on you know mm -hmm. because somebody like myself who spent all of my professional career burning pretty much in the traditional oil and gas sector of energy i didn't have a whole lot of knowledge about you know solar or geothermal or wind right. or whatever it might be and 
I felt like, you know, it would be really great to not only learn about those things for myself, but share that information with the community because OGGN has a pretty, you know, obviously OGGN, Oil and Gas Global Network, has a very rich oil and gas community, but I believe that they are also energy conscientious and they want to know like what's happening in other parts of energy and not just, you know, for the sake of knowledge, but possibly for the sake of transferring from one sector to another and being a little bit more flexible and and saying, okay, you know what, maybe at a time when, as we both know, oil and gas can, can have a downturn, I can look at other, 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 other forms of energy and and transfer over there and and start to build that knowledge. And sometimes that journey starts with a podcast, you know, just doing homework. I mean, so many people learn specific information from podcasts and you know, if you look at the if you look at some of the data that that is out there on people who listen to podcasts, you know they are you know pretty well educated people. You know they're you know a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say older. The, the, the crowd is pretty diverse, but if you're looking at it somewhere in the, in the in 30s range, 30s to 40s range, mm. um, which I think is starting to grow even more. On I'm worried a little bit that you just called younger, that older because well. <laughs> I, I, I say older because it's not, you know, it's that not. Puts me, it's not that puts me off the grid, really. It's I'm, not. I'm it's like, not in the twenties, right? It's not no, like fresh out of college. But <laughs> now, college age people are starting to listen to more yeah. podcasts, create yeah. more podcasts. I mean, the the crowd. It's like television, right? I mean, it, the crowd is just becoming sure. almost everybody, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody's now gotten into like either whether it's crime podcast or if it's right. entertainment or news. People are turning more and more to podcasts, especially when you look at how um, people are looking for unbiased, you know, opinions. Well, I shouldn't say unbiased, but some people that are not supported by organizations that right. force them to push a narrative. Right? People yeah, just no, talking in no their basement. Big corporate polish put on the outside of it. It's you're, you're hearing exactly. whatever people really think. Right? Most exactly. I mean, and, and you always I mean look we all have to have critical thinking skills and learn to like do our own homework and and research on our own and figure out what we believe is to be the truth. But the good thing about podcasts, in most cases, people are just speaking whatever they see as an unfiltered opinion. Um, And and I'm not saying that it's 100% true, but I think you get something that is a little bit more, um, it's unpolished, but it's also... Uh, probably has a little bit more depth to it than somebody that's pushing a narrative that they're sure. being they're being sure. told to push. And then you can judge for yourself whatever whatever you think about. We know you always have to. You always yeah. have to. Um, but no, that, that's uh, that's good. I, I want to ask you a question because you because earlier in that little spiel you just gave, um, you you uh, you said something about uh, oh right the you know, you're getting some visibility to what people are doing in terms of innovation with new forms of energy. Um, And uh, so I want to ask you, uh, and if the answer to this question is no, then we're going to cut this part out. But but do you find that, uh, um, uh, do you find that in those areas of innovation for new energy, maybe perhaps people are learning from what was done in oil and gas, from the innovation you know that has been done in oil and gas, and the problems that have been, the types of problems that have been solved? Because that's because I, I always think that when it comes to the new energy, and it ultimately comes to 
to to building and scaling and operating this right stuff like like who better than the oil and gas industry to help people solve that problem so do you see that is that happening yet because my prediction is it'll it, eventually it will happen I would say it depends on the um, it depends on which one I mean like for sure geothermal because sure. yeah, yeah. a lot yeah. of people from oil and gas can have very transferable skills to geothermal right um, so that one for sure other ones maybe uh, I, again I think because geothermal and oil and gas have you know the same similarity in which you need to be able to drill yeah. a well in order to 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 get your your source of energy from um, yes in that sense and then also I've seen, even on the like not not actually like physical technology but digital technology side yeah, um, yeah like for instance there's one entrepreneur that I talked to who has created a digital product but he's taking lessons learned uh, working in traditional oil and gas and said you know what I've identified a problem here's how I can solve yeah, it you're right, right and we've created a digital product to solve this problem yeah. and so you know we could talk about that a little bit more later but you know the short answer is yes, and yeah. but it also depends. And yeah, I yeah. think that there's a lot of people, a lot of really smart people in oil and gas who've recognized problems and have been able to develop solutions, not just for the not just for oil and gas, but for other forms of yeah, energy, sure. or have said, you know what, I want to go contribute to the solution for you know did or you know energy transformation. I want to go you know be a part mm -hmm. of that 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 new that new push yeah you do see that we, we see that happening a lot and i think some of it is going to have i think i think it'll happen some of the some of the what can we learn from the oil and gas world i think comes more into play not so much with the new energy not so much with the producing of it but in, in some cases you're right there's some there are some some compute type uh things that can be that are that are very similar but ultimately it's when we start getting to the point of trying to distribute all of this new energy right at scale around the world that uh that becomes a whole different thing but anyway um uh, yeah. So what? Uh, what? So so what do you see? Like what's uh, what's some of the? I, you, earlier when I was busy coughing and clearing my throat, you were making a lot of notes. I saw you making notes. So so what? what what's what's some of the interesting stuff that you've heard about so far that we can look forward to as far as uh, you know what's coming? Yeah. So you know some of the people that I've talked to on the show, and even just like going to some of the conferences that I've been invited to as well. And, and things that I've seen, uh, I guess we should start with maybe like the physical. Yeah. And on the physical side, you know, I've seen um, a lot of new technology around like map, uh, map based technology. Mm -hmm. So mapping um, and utilizing things like drone technology, which has been around for some time, but yeah. now they're starting to really get deep, they're deep diving and really starting to develop really solid technology for for um for like mapping and then also you know inspection data so they're mm -hmm. be they're 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 basically taking drones now they're using technology not just like uh photographs but lidar and and other right. stuff like that and they're flying over different types of facilities whether it's a refinery whether it's a processing plant whether it's um you know a a, a rig itself and they're taking this this information and then they're putting it into this AI driven uh, database, 
mm-hmm. or AI, yeah, an AI based database, and they're able to pull out insights. There's a company out of Calgary, um, I think it's Calgary, uh, but they're in Canada for sure, called yeah. Key, which is Q I I Key, uh-huh. and Key.ai. And I spoke with their founder and one of their product development managers uh, a while back on the show. And basically, you know, what they do is they work with drone companies to take their information, put it into their database, and then give the customers very, like, specific key insights like, oh, you know, you've you probably need to replace this piece of equipment in X amount of time. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you need to probably go spend more time investigating where, you know, you could potentially have an issue here. So instead of having people go out there and physically do like, let's say, non-destructive testing Mm -hmm. and looking like, you know, going inch by inch by inch, looking for a problem or trying to prevent a problem, they're able to take this drone information that's, you know, huge amount of scans and then say, okay, you know what, you should go and spend time specifically right here and that's probably that's most most likely where you're going to have an issue, yeah. and so they're they're reducing their non-productive time, increasing their efficiencies, and that, those are big things in in energy, especially oil and gas, NPT, and and, and yeah, 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 you know, being productive is those are things that I think that we are always striving to get better, and they're utilizing you know not just the physical technology of drone technology, but also the digital technology of artificial intelligence to give those insights to customers, which is, yeah. which is really interesting. It is. So, um, it, it, so explain, so for, you know, for, for people who aren't maybe as familiar, cause that what you just, just described is really interesting. Um, th- you know, the question is how exactly does, I mean, so we hear about this kind of stuff, right? We gather all these insights, we put it into AI model, blah, blah, blah. But how does, how does a drone flying over a facility um, actually gather that, like compared to a person who's going out there and looking at it and moving it and banging on it and whatever an inspector does, how does, you know, it almost sounds fantastic, right? Like how does, how does this like little flying thing go by and gather all that? You mentioned LIDAR, which, you know, I think maybe not everybody's familiar with how that works, but, but yeah, how how does it work? How does it, how does this, how do these things do this? So all of these, uh, these drones are fixed with different types of cameras and you can actually swap out the camera that is on the drone, right? Uh And so some of the drones, they have, you know, regular, you know, just 4K camera or whatever it might be, and they can spot issues or they've got heat signatures. So they're thermal, you know, thermal Mm -hmm. imaging. So they're able to take thermal imaging and maybe they see where, let's say, for instance, if they're if they're flying down a a right away of a pipeline. Well, that that thermal imaging can show maybe where it's a little bit like hot spots on the pipeline and says, you know what, that's probably where you've got a lot of corrosion. And that's why it's hotter at the surface of that pipeline. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, okay. And they're also starting to use things like um, sonar uh, on on mm. on this drone technology. And so they they're shooting down, you know, basically sound waves. Sound waves come back, and then you know, basically that's how sonar works, right? Sound waves. Yeah. They yeah. bounce off something. They come back. So different types of cameras, camera technology, uh, and they're getting more advanced as as time's go- gone on, right? Um, before you would have to send out, or they also have things like leak detection equipment on the 
on the drone. So this leak detection equipment, you know, it can pick up so many parts per million if there's a leak. Right, so right. before when you'd had to have somebody with a leak detection backpack on walking the right of way down yeah. miles and miles and miles. And I say this because I've done it as uh-huh. a technician for yeah, that's Oceaneering. Right. Yeah, you did. You had you were an inspector, <laughs> right? I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I worked for Oceaneering and there was a there was a job that they sent us up to like Ohio to walk a, a right of way. And this is the middle of winter. It's I mean sure. it is cold. Well, it's the only time to do it. Yeah. Oh it's the yeah, it's the absolute most optimal time to do it. <laughs> and you know, you've got this backpack on with leak detection equipment and you're and you're looking for leaks on the right of way where now they can take something, and it used to be that they would use a helicopter to do this, which is very expensive. Sure. Uh, yeah. and now they can do this with a drone. Now you don't get the range that you would get with a helicopter, but you can right. you can you know do it in in portions, and you can do it a lot faster than you know a technician walking the right away. And so right. they've got leak right. detection equipment that they fly across the right away, and they can start to pick up any parts per million that you know potentially where there's a leak at, and they can start to again. Reduce non-productive time, be more efficient. Uh, yeah. So it's different types of technology that they can fix to the drone, and as well as camera technology. So right. it's not just you know taking. It's not just like they've got a, a camera on it and they say, "Well, that corrosion over there looks kind of bad." Which I mean, in a way, you could also use that as well. Visual inspection is a form of inspection. So you can also, let's say, for instance, if you're doing an inspection on an offshore platform, there is a visual inspection where you do go look at the coating and you do assess it and you say, you know what, based off of the corrosion assessment, this is what needs to be fixed. And mm. those have to happen on a, on a regularly scheduled basis based off of um, you know, Bessie, Bessie regulations offshore. Right, right. And yeah. so instead of having to send somebody to swing off the, the crew boat over <laughs> to the platform, and I say that again laughingly because I've done it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you can now use a drone to go and, and, and do that corrosion assessment, look at the crane, look at the grading, look at the handrails. And, and I mean, you can zoom in, you know, so many times and, you know, say, okay, you know, based off see of this coding, yeah, says, yeah right. we can see a lot. And so, yeah. That's how they're w- using- once you get that data, there's so many. I mean, besides performing the inspection itself, once you start getting that data and you start feeding it into the models, there's so much forward-looking kinds of things that you, that you can do, right? And, yeah, and, 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 and we hear about that. You know, like on the tech show, people come and talk about that, but most of the time they're talking about like the the AI part, right, or the the the, the data science and all that. And and sometimes you know. But and, and this part about how the drone goes out and it collects all the data, we, we kind of gloss over that. But, but sometimes I sit there and I think, okay, like if I like if I walk by your car and I take a picture of it, I can tell you that like somebody recently keyed your car, but I yep. can't tell you that your fuel injectors need to be cleaned, right? So right. so but you're talking about a whole bunch. Of, I mean, this is this is so you're not just flying by taking a photo, right? There's lots exactly. of uh, lots of technology going into that. Yeah, and I mean, it, and it's like I went to uh, this drone technology conference in the Woodlands last year, and I mean, they had all not not just flying drones; they had like this dog walking drone. I mean, they have all <laughs> kinds of drones that that they're. Not, I mean, it's really interesting the things that they're they're, they're developing. Um, well, if you in, got in, sonar, then we we can then the fishing industry's got to love that, right? So yeah, uh, I mean, I, I liken it to. When ROVs started to to show up in right. the Gulf of Mexico, right, remote operated vehicles, ROVs, and they started to replace um, underwater divers. 
Right. Well, right. now the drones that fly are starting to replace um, things like uh, inspection crews, like rope access inspection crews and stuff like that. And you could use this technology, not just in oil and gas, but let's say you need to inspect a, um, let's say you need to inspect a, a, a wind turbine. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's really dangerous sending somebody up there to climb up that wind turbine. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, yeah. it, those things are really, you know, it's really high up there. And obviously yeah. a fall could be, you know, it's, it moves it, a lot too. Yeah. Fatality, yeah. exactly. And so yeah. we'd much rather, you know, jeopardize the technology of a drone than the life of a human sure. being. And, sure. and for the oil and gas industry, they know the value of reducing that risk, right? And so they are very adoptive, adoptive to that to that technology because they're like, yeah, you know, if we don't have to send a person to do this, we can send out a technician with a drone to go do these inspections. Then, you know, it's usually going to reduce the amount of people that we need. It's going to reduce our risk exposure. It's going to increase our efficiency, and it, you know, it's going to hit on all those things that they know that they that they those objectives that they have, right? And so, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's been really interesting to see things on that front get developed. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, um, um, yeah. That that. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure that in many cases, there's other things that those people can do that, that, that you know that don't involve putting their life at risk. Uh, you know, re- reducing dangerous jobs is is just never a bad thing, right? We we right. hate to talk about you know, or there's kind of a fear that technology um, replaces jobs. Although although there's plenty of there's plenty of good there's lots of people out there who could do a better job of me of explaining how you know the jobs move to different you know the, it reduces jobs over here but it creates jobs over there et cetera et cetera. But leaving all that out. Reducing dangerous jobs is just not is just never a bad thing, right? It's, well, I think it's the responsibility of of the employees, the the workforce. It's our responsibility as the human element to learn what you know to reskill and pick yeah. up new pick up new skills to pick up you know um, to to try and not necessarily retrain, but to continue to to develop our skill set so that we are able to yeah. utilize that technology have, you know, productive conversations around it, understand it. If at a very minimum, if all we do is get ourselves familiar with that technology, then we're not completely in the dark when somebody starts talking about yeah, it. Yeah, right. And and we see and that happening all over the industry right now, right? Yeah. We see people kind of and and we and we we kind of have a lot of episodes mostly on digital doers. We talk about how how people are, you know, you have certain core skills and now, you know, you kind of look out and you go, well, what's happening in the industry and I can I can take these skills that I have and adapt them to something new. Um, what so what else? Uh, so that was so so we, we went off for a long time, but that's a that's a really good one. Yeah. What else? Uh, what else uh, is interesting? I think something that's been a pretty big buzz lately that a lot of people have really gravitated towards is the utilizing of excess energy like flare gas to mine Bitcoin. Oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Or, or, or any cryptocurrency for that matter, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's uh, Ethereum, or whatever crypto you choose, Dogecoin. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, um, right. If you're an Elon Musk fan, um, but you know that's been something that people have really started to to uh, to gravitate towards. So like Easy Blockchain, I had them, Sergey yeah, yeah. and his, Sergei, I had yeah. him on the uh, on the podcast early on when we first started, and because I was really interested in what they were doing. Um, I, you know, I'm, 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 I love investing. I love, you know, anything to do with financial markets. I'm a big fan of that stuff. So, you know, that was something that really caught my attention. And honestly, like, uh, 
you know, having gone to many multiple rig sites and seeing multiple times gas being flared off and always thinking to myself, like, what? why don't we capture that energy in some other form, right? We're just basically releasing energy out into the atmosphere and getting no return for it. Sure, and, sure, sure. Yeah. And I'm not that smart, and this guy is. And so he figured, well, you know he what, is. we'll use that energy to to power a bit. It's basically a small, or I shouldn't say small, but let's say, for instance, a, a container size yeah. unit yeah. that has Bitcoin mining um equipment inside of it so right which are not you know, which are not normal average computers right it's a whole, right. whole next no these level. are i mean well, yeah yeah they're they're not it's not it's, you don't have a macbook in there you know mining no, bitcoin no, <laughs> no. Um, and so they've got all these servers in there all these different computers in there that are pieces of equipment that are that are mining bitcoin um which I, I'm not an expert in Bitcoin mining operations, but what I do know is that it takes a lot of computing power, power yeah. to yeah. mine Bitcoin. And when you look at things like events that have happened recently over the past year, like uh, China outlawed Bitcoin mining operations, you know, a lot of those bit, which created a huge opportunity, not just for the US, but other parts of the world. Um, to start really ramping up because there's only so much Bitcoin that can be mined up mm -hmm. to a point, right? And at every there's certain intervals where the amount of Bitcoin you can mine or the amount of Bitcoin you get uh, in your mining operation is reduced uh, as the yeah. Bitcoin yeah. become more and more like as you as we develop more and more of it till we get to the capacity of which we can't get anymore. So there's an X amount, right? I don't know what that number is off the top of my head. Um, so, right. you know, it, it becomes harder and harder to get. And, you know, obviously the price has gone, it's skyrocketed in, you know, the yep. past year or year and a half, really, I guess I would say. And, you know, right now it's, it's taken a huge nosedive, but again, it's still much higher than what it once was. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how energy companies are, Adopting that technology, I, I know that we. When I talked to him, I even asked about possibly companies doing this offshore as well. And obviously, an offshore environment is a very corrosive environment. It's not conducive for computing equipment. But no. if you contain it and you prepare it correctly, then yeah, I'm sure yeah. I'm sure there's yeah. a way you can use it. Um, and 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 he said that you know that there's potential for that as well, uh, or uh, that there might have even been you know some some uh, interest in doing it. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that gets developed uh, because I know that other companies are also thinking of doing it as well. It's not just, they're yeah, not the only game in town. There's a few out there. Uh, we've yeah. had a couple of them on the, on the show. Uh, uh, well, have we? I don't know. Um, uh, Sergey. So yeah, e um, easy blockchain and they're, they're killing it by the way that we just talked to him recently and he's, he's got more, they got more work than they know what to do with it because some of the, um, cause some of the big operators are actually looking at this, like this could be, um, a revenue stream, you know, besides yeah. the good, besides the goodness that it does and not just releasing all that, um, there, um, but uh, yeah, and, and there's there's all kinds of yeah they're working on all kinds of things there. So th I, I think that's going to be and so uh, so uh, so listeners, if you're not if you know if you don't know what we're talking about when we say mining Bitcoin and and the types of computing and everything, um, it's uh, we don't have time to get into it now. But it's it's fascinating stuff. It's just it's really like when you have like like when you have like a like a 
you're just like you know sitting there having a sandwich for lunch or something, and you just need something to keep yourself. You probably need it needs to be a big sandwich because you, there's a lot to read. But, but <laughs> it's a great thing to just. It's one of those things that you know you just look up and and you just say ah, I want to I want to know about this because it's it's fascinating stuff. But but uh, what so okay so so that so that's happening. So we got the drones out there doing all kinds of new stuff. We got we got the blockchain. Um, what else you got? Anything else? Another one that I've noticed, and this has been really important lately, is cybersecurity. Um, yeah, yeah. So cybersecurity is yeah. a really fascinating subject to me. I've always been really interested in... I remember, I'm sure you do too, there was a movie that came out back in like the 90s called Hackers. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I was Sandra, always Sandra interested... Sandra Bullock. Was that the one with Sandra Bullock? Or was no, it was no. Uh, Angelina Jolie. Oh, yeah. She yeah, was yeah. in that one. And yeah. uh, and I actually watched it the other day. I saw it on on like one of the streaming services. I'm like, oh yeah, nostalgia lane. Here we go. Right. And um, you know, it's really interesting to go back and watch these old movies. I mean, they're they're using like hard floppy disks. They're using oh, yeah. you know like all this old technology. Like you know, the laptops look like huge bricks. You know, it's hilarious. <laughs> like they're plugging into actual like pay phones on the street. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yep. Uh, I mean, it's it's really it's really funny. But at the time, like that was like wow. You know, I was I was really fascinated by that. But hacking has been something that has really developed. I mean, when we talk about hacking now, it's not just you know somebody breaking into a network, right? We're talking about things like social engineering, which is by far and large the easiest way. The human element is the most vulnerable element in, in right. the entire process, right? People people get, you know, duped into doing all kinds of things because mm-hmm. of a social engineer, which is a fancy way of saying con con artist right. has convinced you to do something, right? Because right. as human beings, we are inherently we are the the the, the weakest link in the chain. Uh, computers are less likely to do something, um, you know. Anyway, so yeah, they, yeah, right. The computer kind of isn't really subject to the powers of suggestion or, or yeah, or or being conned into doing something. But but the humans in that position are uh, it's a great entry point, right? You know, oh, that's, it's that's, the that's, easiest that's, entry point, yeah, right? And you, so, that's... cybersecurity is something that's really been uh, getting a lot of momentum in the energy industry. And I've seen. I mean, obviously, we had the Keystone uh, pipeline get hacked that was, last year. That was a big I one, believe right? that was right. a big one. Other companies now have started to like say, yeah, you know, we've been hacked. I mean, you know, when you look at those events, the amount of money that it costs a company once they're compromised is pretty astronomical. Um, yeah, yeah. And then we've got things like um, ransomware, right? Where companies are now having all of their data being held for ransom, right? Uh, hackers have figured out a new way to extract money from companies and hacking you have different types of hackers right you have you know nation state ha- hackers which are which are yeah. sponsored by some you know company or not company but country right um, you've got organized crime now that are in the arena as well because obviously they've seen the benefit of being able to go and you know perform these crimes with very little to no recourse on mm-hmm, the digital mm-hmm. front right um You've got, you know, hacktivists, right? Like yeah, anonymous yeah, yeah. and stuff like that that are like, well, we're against whatever it is you're doing. And then you just have like the, they call them script kitties, which are just like, you know, um, right. people that are just kind of like enthusiasts who don't really know what they're doing. They go they go pick up a script offline somewhere, maybe off the, the dark web. And then, you know, they, they try and, you know, implement it in their own way. Maybe they're just trying to like hack their friends or hack, you know, hack whatever. And... um 
So we've seen that become a really big thing mm. in the industry, energy industry. And so what companies are now starting to do is they're starting to assess their posture. And the way that they're doing this is they're having companies come in and give them an assessment like, hey, you know, penetration testing, you know, do an assessment, you know, look at right, our networks, right. figure out where we are most vulnerable. And so one of the companies that I interviewed, uh, securitygate.io. Oh, yeah. Ted uh, and... Uh, uh, yeah, Ted and Sharice. And Sharice, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I actually, Ted and I used to work together uh, previously. He's also a military veteran as well, Army Ranger, uh, West Point. West Point graduate, high speed guy. Um, yeah, he he's he's intense to sit down with. He's, yeah. Oh yeah, I love Ted. Ted and I we we go back a long way, and uh, and and he's he's a really fascinating person. But he's super. I mean, he he knows his stuff. Sharice really knows her stuff. They are a tag team duo uh, in that arena, and they have a lot of knowledge about the oil and gas industry, the energy industry specifically, right? So. Not only are they subject matter experts in energy, but they're also subject matter experts in cybersecurity. So they've mm-hmm. they've combined those those two skill sets to become what I would consider probably one of the leading edge companies in cybersecurity in this space. Yeah. So, you know, they're doing a lot of really great work. They've got a really good tool that they're putting out for their customers and helping them understand their security posture. And that is super valuable because if we've learned anything in oil and gas is that prevention is is like nine tenths the law, right? I mean, you yeah, need oh, to yeah. really yeah, work yeah. on prevention because the last thing you want to do is be working behind the ball. I mean, you don't right. want you don't. Cybersecurity is one of those things that you don't know you need it until it's too late most times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's um, and and you know also our our friends over at IBM are have got a, a huge practice in all of this and and the. And they kind of frame it out like um, I forget what they, how they, they like before the before the boom, during the boom, and after the boom, right? And what do right. you and um, and and so there are there are best practices in terms of what you know when you do have an incident, what do you do, right? And then how do you mitigate afterwards? But but yeah, so you got to you got to invest so much more in the prevention in the in the in the you know the, everything that happens before you actually have an incident is is key because the other thing that people are you know experts in this field that they're saying is um, is like make no mistake you're gonna get like somebody's gonna target you right yep. you're gonna have and and or or I recently heard somebody say that you know the typical um, CISO chief information security officer gets a weekly report on incidents right not like gets a report if there are incidences right incident incidents incidences <laughs> but but Incident- get, <laughs> how many how many incidences do you have with your breakfasts um so but but they get a weekly report it's not like in case it's not like you know you buy insurance because you know maybe something's going to happen i mean i haven't had a I, i've been I, i've had car insurance for um really really a long time i think the last time i had an accident was like i don't know like it's it's gotta be 20 years ago but i keep paying that bill in case something yeah right where's the wood knock on the wood Um, i keep paying that bill but with the with the cybersecurity, it's not like in case right like 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 this stuff is happening it's not a matter of if it's it's not everything on the scale of of uh, uh what was that uh the pipeline like the name is escaping. Oh, the Keystone Pipeline. Keystone, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's not obviously not everything's on that scale, but there, but there's stuff happening out there all the time. No, it's it's just 
like I said, it's not a matter of if, but when. And, you know, a lot of times smaller companies are the best targets for these hackers because they know that their security right. posture is typically not as as well developed as a, a large, you know, enterprise organization. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of times where smaller companies, I, I, I'll give you an example. I worked for a small oil field service company uh, back in 2018, 2019, and, you know, we were being not just targeted for, I mean, so somebody would send, you know, a hacker would send us a fake email that had a fake purchase order on it. And if you know anything about purchase orders in oil field service companies, that's oh, music yeah. to their ears, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they knew, like, how can we get you to open up this file, right? Purchase order. You know, yeah. if 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 an oil field service company, a small one, that I mean they pretty much live and die by their revenue month to month, right. sees a purchase right. order, they're opening that sucker. Especially if it's somebody who's not really thinking if it looks legit like if it looks if they do their homework and they know who your customers are i mean because all it takes is for somebody to go online go on linkedin and figure out okay you know where have you been what are you doing they're doing a little bit of you know they're doing some open what's called open source intelligence gathering on you and they start connecting the dots and if they're worth their weight in salt they'll know exactly what to say you know they'll know exactly you know what to do and, and they'll figure that out really fast and the person who's going to open that purchase order is typically somebody who's got like 97 different things going on. They got they got stuff all over their desk, right? They're trying to keep up with, especially in a small company, right? They're wearing oh, yeah. 14 hats, right? And they're not stopping to think, right, before they see a PO. Like you said, they, they open it. So the interesting thing about this, though, what you're, what you're saying is in this, in the case of cybersecurity, what's, what's, what's developing isn't so much... Um, the technology innovation, because it used, to, which which is there, I know, but you know, it used to be we always, you know, when we thought about security, um, you know, back in my old IT days, back in uh, in olden times, we thought about hardening, <laughs> we thought about hardening servers and hardening networks, right. and and we thought right. about firewall rules and things like that. It sounds like what's happening is not that we're giving up all of those good practices, but where our real attention is shifting to is is more about. Um, is more about assessing and planning and the strategy and the kind of practices and things that you can do apart from like the the concrete tech itself. Well, yes, and they're still developing new tools, the digital tools. So you have like intrusion detection, intrusion right, prevention right, right. Uh, systems that are being created by companies, um, and and they are creating new tools and technology. I mean, you think about two dual factor authentication, right? Oh, so, yeah, yeah. you know, that's a big one that's been, you know, something that's popped up over years. And, but it's been, it's been around for a long time. You know, if, sure. if you had a very considerable amount of money in a bank account as a business, you usually got this physical key that would change a right. number on it. Right. Or, you know, it was like a little, like look like a USB and right. the number would change. And if you wanted to log into your company's bank account, you needed to put in that, 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 that serial number or whatever yeah, it yeah. was. Right. Yeah. And so those technologies have really, I mean, now we've got apps that you can do it. I mean, even when I log on uh, to certain websites, it asked me for, you know, a, a dual authentication number. Sure. And sure. so, you know, even small things like that, like technologies that are being developed there, but Understanding your posture, situational awareness training, yeah. uh, having your employees know like, hey, you're going to be targeted. Understand like, you know, even if it goes down to just if you 
feel like a, a an email looks suspicious, check that check that email address because a lot of times they could you know they can sort of make that email address look legitimate on the surface, but if you open it up and look at it, you'll notice yeah, like yeah right. that's wonky yeah, or that doesn't look not, right. Yeah, or yeah. like I'm sure you get them. Everybody does um, on your personal email address. You know, oh, your you know your shipment has been delayed, or <laughs> yeah, right. you know your PayPal you know account yeah. has been um, you know it's it's been frozen or whatever it might be, right? Right, right. Uh, and you just see these things. I mean, look, if you go on the on on the deep web, you can or the dark web, you can go and find. I mean, basically, hackers for hire, right? Sure, sure. And they, sure. I mean, and and. I mean, they don't cost a considerable amount of money to do certain little things. I mean, other I'm things. I'm concerned yes. about how much you know about this, Jose. You seem to know. You seem to have a lot. Well, of I I spent some time uh, learning about cybersecurity <laughs> back in 2020 because I was really interested in it. I actually went and got a, a certification uh, from Security Plus from. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and so I learned a lot about this stuff, and I just I've I'm a very curious person by nature. And so yeah, I, yeah. when I get into a subject, I'm just no, like it was, it was the how much they cost comment that got me a little bit worried. But um. well, you know, I'm I'm going to take over the world one day, and I want to know how much it's going to cost me. How much I'm is it going to cost me? So, but you know, you said, but there's a couple other interesting things there. Um, was uh, you know, you talked about like posture and situational awareness, and you rattled off a few things that sound, um, you know, that's that, that sounds very, uh, you know, we we're talking about military, sound very military, and it's not surprising. Yeah. And and you mentioned that Ted was it was former army. Um, there's I've actually found that there are quite a few. Um, there, there are quite a lot of, of former military folks who are now working the cybersecurity, working in the cybersecurity world because the principles, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, are so are so similar. Yeah, we have that security mindset, right? And a lot of the uh, people coming out of the military that already have received training through the DoD, Department of Defense, because the DoD and um, I forget what the um, there's another there's another organization within the within the government that actually provides uh, security cybersecurity training for veterans as well. So you can actually go and get trained through um, you know the same training that you know people in the Department of Defense get. Um, I can't even think of the name of the the organization yeah. off the top of my head, but basically you can go through all of their cybersecurity training. I mean, I've taken you know online training, um, you know, just to just to become aware of what's out there yeah, and sure, you know sure. what possibly. I mean, because those are just again when I get fixated on something that I find interesting, especially if it's something that's kind of like in my nature, like security, because yeah. being prior military service, that's just something that I've I've always sure. thought in the back of my head. Um, you know, it's 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 fascinating the things that we don't know. That's the uh, scary part. All the stuff that we don't think about, right? Yeah, I, I came um, to that conclusion uh, many years ago. I decided that there's there's um, whatever it is that I might know about that I'm concerned about. I I just don't worry about because I, then I think about all the things that I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> It'll keep you up at night if yeah, you let it. Yeah. It'll definitely keep you up. I mean, yeah. and I think what we have to understand too is that now it's our responsibility as individuals and companies to make sure that we are. Um, you know, we're using we're using a little bit of good best practices whenever we're putting out anything yeah, uh, yeah. in the digital world. Because once it's out there, you know, it's out there and people can find it, you know? Yeah, 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 sure. Okay. Um, 
It's already out there. All right, we're we're running kind of long. So, uh, but uh, but works. if you got but you got it, you got any uh, uh, one more quick one, maybe, or or do we want to wrap up? Uh, you know what? One more. Um, okay. So, digit on the digital side again. So, there's a company out there that I interviewed, uh, Sid Gupta with Nesh. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah. what they're doing is they've got a technology which basically will. And Sid is 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 also you know. Formerly oil and gas traditional uh, guy, right. he has developed him and his team have developed technology that have allowed that will allow energy companies or almost I mean basically any company with a large amount of data to basically put a layer on top of that data that allows them to ask questions of the data and give them insights from their data. So n- not only will it allow them to ask questions, but it'll also ask questions back that they might not have thought of. Which is yeah. going to give a lot of key insights. That's one of the things that people have really started to, to embrace about you know machine learning and, and artificial intelligence is, yeah, we can ask a lot of questions, but what we really want is for us to get insights that we didn't think about, and it should be it should be helping us in that sense as well. And so he's developed a technology called Nesh, which is providing companies with that not just the ability to s- search and get answers, but to also get key insights about their data. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, it's it's funny I guess the, the the best way to explain it is that this industry oil and gas has always produced tons of data. Like mm-hmm. just just like it's it's not it's not that we're um, it it's not that we had a shortage of data ever. <laughs> we had, and it doesn't matter where you go, right? If you look in exploration, the, 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 there's tons of data. And if you look in, and if you look in operations, you look in production, you refine, like there's, there's never been a shortage of data, but, but, and most of the time the data that was produced was always just sort of produced for, um, uh, kind of for the purpose of whatever function it's served, right? So if it's in mm-hmm. a, if it's kind of in a in a ICS type of environment, then you know this this data is for the for the purpose of this SCADA system, whatever you know, opening this valve, closing this thing, whatever. Like whatever that function is, that's what the data is for. And then 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 we're done with that data. We don't need it anymore. And right. that and that's the case everywhere, um, maybe with the exception of of the seismic world, where they where they tend to go back and look at things over and over again. But right. for the most part. Um, the data was oh, but well, even in seismic, it was produced for a particular purpose. But what we, but what we can do now with all of these insights and uh, kind of driven things is, is it's like, well, what if we put, if we gather up all that data, what else can we do with it? What else can we learn from it? How can we, how can we analyze it and and figure? And it all started a, a few. You know, it started a few years ago when people were talking about analytics, right? And they and and there was the right. whole we need to do analytics, right? And it was what was it? It was like predictive analytics, and then you get the prescriptive analytics, and I, yep. I forget the 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 tiers there, right? But but this is just a continuation of that, which is besides whatever the primary purpose of that data is, what else can we learn from it, um, and and how can we use that to make different decisions? You know, change the business, what have you? I'm I'm not as familiar. I I know about a bunch of other people with Nesh. I'm not as familiar with what they're doing but i i do i do hear their name uh coming up quite a bit so yeah they um like i said you know they've built some technology uh, specifically for energy industry uh because of his background specific i believe he was a petroleum engineer 
Right. And I think I want to say he worked for either Shell or maybe a service company for quite some time. And he saw a need and he's built a, a tool for that need. Um, but one thing that I, I also talked to somebody who is uh, a, a subject matter expert in, in data analytics. And, you know, a lot of the data that we collect in the energy industry is very unstructured and has right. to be structured Maybe. in order for it to really be beneficial for us. So, you know, he gave some key insights on the things that like companies should be doing in order to structure their data, clean their data, and then, you know, create what's called, a, I believe he said, a data lake, um, where right, then they can right. go pull information from, get those in- insights. I mean, it's, you know, we've been, we, the oil and gas, the energy industry, have been collecting data since time immemorial, whether it's paper-based or it's digital now. Um, and we've got so much information. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, think of all the seismic data that you mentioned, right? Even right. technology on that front is starting to get uh, developed, like the physical technology of, of, of seismic technology. I, I talked to a company out of Europe called Stride that was developed from BP Venture, like BP Technology, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it spun out and and has been, you know, very successful in develop in deploying their technology. Um, you know, it's really interesting to see all the data that we collect as an industry. And if we figure out a way to really like structure that data, you know, be able to utilize it and and get insights from it, then what we're going to essentially be able to do is <clears throat> we're going to achieve something that we've always wanted to achieve, which is doing more with less, especially when we go into a a low commodity price environment, we're always being told we got to do more with less. We have to do more with less. Well, being able to leverage, you know, insights from data, you know, leverage technology, those things are going to empower us as a, as an industry to be able to do that efficiently and potentially get ourselves to a point where, you know, we're no longer worried about, you know, we're all, I think we're always going to worry about the price of, of oil, but, would not so much be, you know, oh my God, you know, we need to have hundred dollar barrel oil for us yeah. to scale up our operations. We'll right. be able to scale, you know, at fifty dollars. You know, right. that yeah, that's the that's the thing, and, and it also helps. I mean, it has. There's so many benefits, you know. Besides doing more with less, you get. In, I mean, right? You have the agility. You can adapt to the market. You can, um, you know, uh, we can we can do all these energy transition things that you know that companies are needing to do. But um, yeah, that's good. So um, I think we probably need to wrap up. Um, okay. But 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 uh, but faithful listeners, if you want to hear more of this kind of stuff, um, and, and also, and a lot of other things, because you cover other areas besides uh, besides the, the and, and the idea of scale-ups, right, is is energy scale-ups, is you're looking for the, you're looking to talk to people who are kind of in, not they're not startups, right? They're kind of like, they've already, they've accomplished something already, and now... In most cases, yes. Yeah, or it's people that are, you know, that, that are talking about how they invest into those companies. So like, yeah. let's say if you're one of those companies and you're wondering like, okay, you know, I'm just, maybe I'm thinking about doing business with XYZ investment company or XYZ venture capital yeah, yeah, or yeah. private equity. This is a way for me to learn a little bit about their philosophy right. of investing and, uh, and looking at it from that point of view as well. Um, and, and subject matter experts. So if you're in the industry and you want to learn a little bit about a different type of, vertical within energy, 
then it's a good way for you to sort of get some some exposure there. Yeah, exactly. And that's and and you're doing a nice job of covering uh, kind of broadening. And and you you kind of alluded to this earlier a little bit, but but uh, but we, yeah, we are at OGGN. We are. It is the oil and gas global network, and we will. Uh, and our our heart and soul will always be in the oil and gas industry. But just like everybody else, we're we're, we're kind of embracing the the uh, the new things that are going on with energy. That's why we have your show, and why we have a couple of the others. So um, so. Uh, so if you like, uh, so if you want to hear more about what's happening, uh, in Jose's, uh, corner, then, uh, all you, all you got to do is go to the, uh, go to Apple podcasts. If you're an Apple podcast person and we have an OGGN channel. And so you get the OGGN channel and you can see Jose smiling face on the, uh, and you're, you're dressed up in that picture too. Which is the only time I think. I've oh man, to the nines. Yeah. I had like this yeah. whole little flower on my fly- jacket. Yeah, I was, like, I'm, it's like, yeah, I look uh, like I'm ready to go to church. <laughs> yeah, or, or 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 make a deal or something. So, uh, <laughs> so or a wedding <laughs> or something, something uh, going going for a sit down. Um, so uh, so yeah, so that so so energy scale ups is there on the OGGN channel along with all the other things. But anyway, so I, I know Jose, I'm, uh, you, I, I'm sure you got stuff to do. You're you're going. You're back in school now and everything. And oh yeah, you, and you probably got teenagers running around your house by this point. So uh, but so thanks for making. Yeah, time. luckily they're back in school too. So no running around the house today. Oh, okay. but, that's, uh, <laughs> right. that's right. I forget the kids go to school sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's nice. Um, yeah, so yeah, a lot of things going on. But no, I, I appreciate you having you know having me on the show and taking some time to. Uh, to ask me about what's going on in my world. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks. Well, there you have it, folks. Reporting from the front lines of energy innovation, OGGN's very own Jose Solis. And remember, you can hear more from Jose if you just go to the OGGN channel where you can find this show and all of our other shows. And sure enough, you're going to find energy scale-ups. As I said, there's a nice picture of Jose there. You don't want to miss it. So tune into that show, uh, which you can do now because this one is over. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to the OGGN crew for all the hard work, most especially my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who always makes us sound fantastic. And special thank you to our new sponsor for this episode, UTSI. If you're thinking about industrial control systems, you're thinking about cybersecurity, you need to think about UTSI. Check them out at UTSI.com. And remember, if you hear anybody talking, you know, maybe you're at a party, maybe you're at a ball game, wherever you are, you hear somebody talking about oil and gas, this industry, they're so old-fashioned. They, you know, they're behind the times. They're not, you know, you got you to gotta straighten these people out. We need to spread the word. You need to gently educate them. Tell them the history. Tell them about what we've been doing for the last hundred years and explain to them that we were tech before tech was cool. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.